Welcome to the Kaibass Nation. Kayak Bass Nation is presented by Dugout Bait and Tackle. Go to dugoutfishing.com to find everything you need for your next kayak bass fishing tournament. Hope you enjoy the show. Jeff Malat, Lunch Money Lambert, Also sponsored by Revo Sunglasses. Go to Revo.com, use code KBN25 to save 25% off your next order. Revo, best lenses on earth. Also sponsored by Western Sun Vodka. Go to westernsundistillery.com and use the bottle finder to find a bottle near you. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to KBN Live. Ryan, you slid right in here under the radar. Hey, here we here. are. Here we are. Oh man, we've got Drew. He's already here. We were talking for a little bit before you, before you showed up. But he's he's ready to go. He's in the waiting room. We're excited to talk to him. Coming off a big win over on Grand Lake. Um, first, just get into the weekend, man. How was your weekend? I know you you made a run at uh, an event over in Tennessee this weekend, didn't you? Uh, I I got spanked up there on uh, on my little upper section of chick, man. I thought uh, I thought I was gonna slide in and do what I did last year on some smallmouth. They did not have quite the current I was looking for, so. I had to scramble. I couldn't find fish till like noon. And my boy, Joe Kurt, he stumbled up on uh, where the smallmouth were spawning. And I think it was seriously like 15 or 20 minutes. He was throwing back 17 and a half. And I was like, shit, <laughs> this, oh, wow. this is bad. And I mean, it was one little area too. So I kept messing around. I, I told him I was going to catch him and me and him were fishing like close to each other at the end. And I lost a, uh, Lost a good one. I knew when I set the hook, it was big. I started talking a little trash to him, and uh, the hook pulled out. So <laughs> that's that's what I get. Yeah. Live by the my, sword, die by the sword. My dog's in here freaking out. If you get, if you notice, I've got an earbud in one ear. Yeah. Our, our little lap dog decided to chew through my headphones, and I didn't realize it until about Ooh. ten minutes ago. So we're both having a good night. We're we're yeah, pro yeah. tonight. Pro. With the mic's sure. working. I just got this little earbud in my good ear, so we're we're good. Uh, yeah, man, I fished the event Drew was in. I was in the, the Grand Lake event, made a little run at it early in the rain. I, I caught, was catching them on a, on a jackhammer early and a spinnerbait, dude. Uh, had four, four early, and then I made the brilliant decision to leave my little area that where there were actually fish and go for like two miles fishing dead water. Came back later to, to no avail. But Did you go more than 155 feet off the bank is what I want to know. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I tried to stay within 150 feet of the end of the docks, which I think okay. was legal. If not, okay. you know, the law can come get me across the border. I don't know. Okay. But, All right. Uh, yeah, but I had a great day. Met some dudes there, and I only launched one other guy. Got a guy named David Burt from Maryland that donated to the Save JT event, matter of fact. Oh, heck yeah. Uh, yeah, launched with him, and, and uh, we visited for a little bit before we, before we took off because we couldn't launch till like an hour after daylight came up. Uh, so we visited in the rain there, <laughs> talked about some things. He was talking about the JT event and some other stuff and his little live scope setup that he had. And then we talked at the end of the day, he actually live scoped up a 21 and three quarter there, right there by close what? to the ramp. So he caught a big in there towards the end of the day. Uh, he caught it on scope. No kidding. Yeah. He scoped it. Yeah. With the, the mega live, he's running the hummingbird. Really? That um, works. Yeah, it works. I That's asked him great. about it. I said, man, I've been on the fence. He said, man, I, the mega live is good. I swear it, it matches up to the Garmin. I said, well, I hadn't heard that. So I don't know. Uh, and then I also met Jim Baird who follows the page and listens to yeah. the podcast. I never met Jim before. I wish I'd have got to visit with him some, but I was in the middle of scrambling in the last 30 minutes trying to get another keeper. And all I could muster was 11, seven, five. Yeah, we were rooting for you, Jeff. We were rooting for you, yeah. man. That was a, yeah. that was a heartbreaker watching that one from the fence. 
But it was cool to see my homeboy Garrett Morgan hung on to that AOI lead with a sixth place finish, and then the Possum King slid in there with yet another blue trophy for himself. Well, dude, I mean, that's the crazy thing is we're all in the same little group chat or whatever. We didn't hear nothing from Mark all day, and then I just look and see a post <laughs> of him holding another trophy, and I was like, well, all right then. Yeah, I we talked at the captain's meeting, and he's like, oh, it's going to take 90 inches, and by God, he was right. Drew got it, and, and Mark said he was on some some bigger fish too, so. Uh, and, and I told Drew before we came live, I said, man, when I saw your name at the top of the leaderboard late, I was like, I'm from around here. So I knew the rivers were pretty blown out. I thought there's no way he's up the river or some skinny Creek. It's all blown out. And sure enough, he, he actually whacked him on the lake this time. So my no man way. can fish still waters too. I don't yeah. believe it. I don't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll get him in here and talk about it. Um, but yeah, before we do that, uh, we always like to thank our sponsors. We got Revo sunglasses, uh, best lenses on earth, Western sun vodka, um, drink a choice for us and then dugout bait and tackle man we got a world premiere Ooh. tonight Ooh. courtesy of lunch money and and who's your co-star in this, this video we're about to watch steve-o is the star there ain't no code Steve-o. to it steve-o, steve-o is, is the, star. the star yeah all right so before we do this we're gonna we've got a like and share contest we're gonna do for uh a dugout swag pack shirt and hat from dugout dugout's website uh so all you gotta do like and share the stream and then in about five minutes this video is gonna drop by itself on the Kayak Bass Nation fan page, right below this live stream that's going on. All you have to do there is share that. Share that video around, um, and then we'll pick a winner after the show's over. I'll go back and Let's look. Let's get some eyeballs on this thing. We put, yeah, we, put, so, uh, we put some time into this one, believe it or not. So like and share the stream and share that video separately when it drops here in about five minutes. But uh, So I'm going to share the screen. I'm going to watch the comments to make sure people can hear and see this, okay? But but here we go. World premiere. Dun, dun, dun. Ryan Lambert Productions. Here we go. Da, 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 da. Call Steve over here. Hey man, I've been thinking, you know, I got this tricked out kayak. I'm gonna have to have a high end trailer to go with it, man. It's it's time to upgrade. Yeah, man, I've been thinking about that as well. Uh, now that we sell, you know, Hobie, Jackson, um, we do need something that's customizable for what people are hauling on the road. And we do so much rigging for kayaks that we don't actually sell. You know, a person does need something that they can rig to suit their needs. And I think we got the people close to home there at Tennessee Trailer. So I'll give the guys a call and we'll see what we can get going. I'm Steve Owens with Dugout Bait and Tackle. I want to talk to you today about something we've come up with with uh, partners at Tennessee Trailers. Um, we had a need for a trailer for our customer base, and what we started out with was the base model. Uh, it's a traditional horizontal bunk rail system, um, and with that, I use for myself a Boondocks pad system because you do need padding to go underneath your kayak. Uh, when you're going down the road to transfer that blow that comes from uh, road obstacles and things like that. 
what will be standard on every trailer are the flush mount reversible lighting. Uh, these lights are very, very bright, so no matter if you're on a dark boat ramp or a lakeside access point, you're going to be able to see to get in the water, out of the water, and even do your rigging. Um, on the front of the trailer, we're going to have the option for you to haul a spare tire that's easily accessible on top of the tongue so that you don't have to take things off to get to it. We also have a drop-down jack stand with a swivel wheel so that you can move it around your driveway, garage, or parking lot. The last thing that we've added is uh, a, a brake swing tongue. We'll move on to the, uh, the, the next level of our kayaks. We made it fully customizable for the angler need that, that may come up. Uh, we have the angler rail system, which are tubular bunks that go the length of the kayak trailer. And with that, you can haul one kayak and wet launch it very easily. Um, if you have a need for two, you'll simply move the center bunks over to the left, add a set to the right, you'll be able to haul two kayaks. If you're a person that travels over the road or likes to secure your things in more than just the front of your truck, uh, we have a, an additional Yakima tower system that we can add to that as well. And underneath the lockers, we have flush mounted LED lights so that you can turn that on while you're rigging. Um, if you're camping, you can use those lights to see around your landscape. Um, and these lights are also flush mounted. Uh, all of our lights are submersible and waterproof. Um, anything that you can think of on the trailer, we think we've already thought of. We, we wanted to be as efficient as we could with it um, as, as keeping the price point down as well. So uh, reach out to us. Let us know if there's anything else that you need um, as from the trailer standpoint all the way up to your kayak rig. Boom. There we go, man. Yeah. Nicely done. That's it, boy. That's it. Nicely done. Seen so it here first. Tell us a little bit about that, man. What went into that? <clears throat> man, uh, I, honestly, we had kind of a need for trailers there at the dugout. Uh, you know, some folks uh, threw the weight around a little bit, and we were looking for some high-end trailers to haul some boats out of there. And, I mean, Jamie sells a ton of boats, and – it's not a lot of good if you're selling boats and don't have a trailer to put them on. So we had worked with Tennessee. I still pull the same Tennessee trailer. I had them build me three years ago. Um, so, you know, I mean, we had the relationship with them. We called them up, told them what we wanted, what we were looking for, likes and dislikes, uh, what you could do better. And, uh, you know, that, that's what popped out. So we, we tested them out pretty good. I, like I was telling Marshall earlier, I bounced a kayak off the ramp, uh, <laughs> My bunks are carpeted on the trailer I have now, and I pulled out real quick without strapping that boat down and uh, and bounced the old PA off the ramp uh, Saturday afternoon. So I've been tested, tried and true. Uh, Todd Patrick asks, is asking if Lucas Lowell comes with his. So it does. It does, it Todd. Yes, <laughs> that's a fact. Yeah. Somebody asked to throw the graphic back up at the end of the video. We'll get that later because I don't just have the graphic by itself. But uh, And I actually just I made that thing, so it's uh, – I'll, steve we got one i'll send it to you jeff we got we got one out there yeah more existing. info more info on the trailers forthcoming um i'm sure once that video drops there'll be some chat underneath it and we'll get some folks to try to fill you in on the details but when that video will drop in one minute on the fan page share it and we'll pick a winner for the revo or the uh dugout swag pack tonight but with that said awesome video how about we get our guest that's been patiently waiting he looked like he was impressed by the by the trailer we'll get his thoughts on that too there he is. 
the blue trophy man drew gregory add it to your collection yeah what's up guys now definitely uh an awesome awesome time in oklahoma and you know first time in grand lake and uh, and obviously i love it man yeah it's gonna be having a forever uh spot in your heart won't it uh do they give do, they, do you get to keep a big check from bass do they give you a big check to put on the wall with all the other ones back there or just the trophy trophy will be good enough no it? big check but yeah this is this is definitely good enough and it's a real i mean you guys have probably seen them before it's a real nice trophy so they they put some some time and effort in this bad boy so great job to Bassmaster for that yeah that was worth the man. drive heck yeah man <laughs> definitely <laughs> Is it cold? Are you at home? Is it cold up there? You got seven it's freezing. shirts on. It was, uh, <laughs> it was snowing. Dude, it was snowing today. It, like most of the whole day, it was snowing hard. So it was like mid thirties and snowing. There. Josh Evans sent us a so, picture earlier. Well, and it was, get... <laughs> there was snow all over his house, and I was like, "Man, you gotta, you gotta leave, son. Come on, it's gonna be eighty at Ufala. You coming to Ufala? Hey, no. Uh, I'll be right. uh, <laughs> at Smith. No, I'll be at Smith Lake next. Uh, well, I just couldn't. I mean, I had to do. That's a long trip away, and my wife, like I, I said on the Bassmaster stage, she's really the, the real star and the hero of, of all this because she handles, you know, a newborn. I mean, not newborn. I guess she's five months old now, but a five-month-old, um, which is, could be even worse than a newborn, um, and our four-year-old and our three dogs, and it's just nuts. So and if I didn't live up here, I couldn't do what I, I do and get to travel around and do all this stuff. So I'm blessed and, and very happy to be in Ohio. Heck yeah. Ohio. I moved away from Ohio yeah. and everybody's moving to Ohio. It's crazy. Yeah. Which funny story about that, man. I looked this morning, uh, I got a link from some guys at Crescent that I was in the Canton, like the Canton newspaper picked up the Bassmaster article because the Bassmaster guy who had, uh, I think what was his name, Chris, I can't remember, who called me up and did the, the interview right after I won. He actually, he was asking me where I was from, where, what should I put? I said, just put, you know, Kent, Ohio, K-E-N-T, you know, Kent State University. And I mentioned it's between like Canton and Cleveland, but I figured most people know, maybe have heard of Kent. Just use that, you know. And I think he misheard he Canton, and I, I guess somehow it got confused. So he put Canton. I'm a Canton native, which really I'm native to the southeast of Georgia, where I grew up and lived in the southeast my whole life. Anyway, he puts in the Bassmaster article, Canton native, and I, and he's, he's cool. I called him up and told him or, or texted him and he said, oh, we'll get it fixed on, on Monday morning. We're going to get it fixed because it's Easter on Sunday. No worries. And it's amazing what the internet can do, man. I mean, the people from Canton, that city, they must have some Google alert for their town. And they have this article in the newspaper on the, the website, you know, Canton native wins Bassmaster title. <laughs> and it's native. just like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't live in Canton and I'm not a native, not even a native of Ohio, but I do reside here now. So it was funny, but apparently they think that, uh, the hometown the, guy's a did, champ, I guess. Did it's LeBron tough, James give you a shout? Famous man. Yeah, did LeBron famous. give you a shout out, dude? No, no shout out from the hometown kid. Hey, LeBron. Shut up, man. Yeah. Should should have bought a little elementary school name, but come on, LeBron. Yeah, he's not in the playoffs, so he's got stuff to do. But anyway, we'll go back. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Is Ohio dominating the national tournament scene right now? Could be Sadiki. You got. Todd Patrick uh, took a trophy Todd Patrick up there. And Todd Pat, yep. Uh, Matt Ball, the Ohio guy, crushes. Um, who, who else is up here? I'm missing a big one. Kirk Where's Smith. Smitty at? Yeah, Smitty, Smitty up there. Um, yeah. Some good. Jay Wallen basically another, is from Ohio. Really I think. Good one. <laughs> yeah. Somebody Jay, in the comments help Jay, us out. Jay's pretty much Ohio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Kentucky would trade him off real quick. Uh, Robert Weicker, he won uh, two, tw- oh, two times last year. 
Bobby's making some good looking trailers too. Now I saw, I saw some updates from him. He had some in the, in the paint shop the other day, all kinds of trailers coming to the market now. Trailer games getting strong. It's needed. I mean, it's needed for sure. So, and that looks like a real sweet trailer, the Tennessee trailers, you know, I've been running one for a long time too. And, you know, I, I was part of, you know, back in the day when, whenever they would have prototypes, they would give me one. So that's what happened to my recent one. It was a prototype, but I ran it for like, three years probably put seventy thousand miles on that thing and you ran it all the years. way into the ground Maybe. literally uh, yeah into literally. the ground yeah <laughs> and uh dave and the guys again want to thank them they took care of me over there and shipped that new part right away and and you know they were like hey that was a prototype you know we we actually make them with even a thicker gauge now so i was like awesome man so glad i was able to finally finally you know break it for you <laughs> took a long I time i called steve that morning like the morning that that happened you know we were still in south carolina filming <laughs> i called steve yeah. i was like hey we gotta <laughs> we gotta get this looked at right now like not tomorrow yeah. not in five minutes like right now <laughs> yeah. yeah hey we, we missed okay. a good one from ohio y'all uh Tarek walker peep up we missed Tarek. oh peep up i forgot he's ohio yeah. man mm-hmm. yeah I always it's, think West Virginia for some reason. Yeah, that's his. That's where he's from. From he just lives. Yeah, in that's Ohio. what I thought. Yeah, yeah. I know my boy. I know my boy. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, Ohio. So tell us about this tournament. I, I you know, just spreading the rumor that you lake fished on accident. <laughs> Dude, I'm on telling purpose. you, I don't know which one it was, but <laughs> yeah, I don't either, man. Uh, you know, I'm kind of laughing. It's like if this was, if there was some sort of clue board game for kayak fishing you would never have picked like drew gregory in the lake with a jig with fluorocarbon like yeah. it would never been like what did it you, you'd have been laughed off you know the out of the room there but that's that's what happened um and you know i did explore the rivers uh and jeff we can get into my whole pre-fishing thing i know th- some people find that interesting in the way yeah, i yeah. dissect a fishery but i, I explored uh, all of it. And actually that's kind of where even I should begin. It's like, I co- I go into a new body of water, obviously do a ton of Google map research, every bit of research I can. I knew coming into the tournament, even how much was winning the local tournaments, how much weight. And of course we can equate that to inches. And most of the tournaments were won with about 20 to 23 pounds. So I knew before I got there, I said, well, then you need 95 inches to win this thing. But then once I caught some fish pre-fishing, I saw how stocky they were and how short and just fat. And I said, Oh, okay. Those weights, you just need about, you need 90 inches to win this thing based on that was basically what it was equating to. So anyway, I dissected all, I get as much information as I can, uh, tons of map study, just research on the fishery. And then, uh, because it's just all, even when I get there, it's all about gathering tons of information so that you can, can on tournament day, have all that information and then you essentially have to fish the moment on tournament day given all the information you gathered so uh it rained pretty heavily in some of the the rivers and i tried them um just didn't have a a ton of success and i thought there could have been a chance i could have gone there on tournament day and done well because they had receded uh enough where they probably were becoming fishable but i didn't want to take that gamble and i'd found a, a a few spawning pockets on on the lake that had fish. I actually never went to my second, second spot. I never needed to. Um, and they weren't big. And I, I think, uh, it was like, maybe it was Ott Defoe recently in a tournament, uh, MLF tournament. He was saying like, man, you'd be shocked at how little water I've covered and how many fish are here because it's that time of the year where they're all just congregated. And that's essentially, and I didn't know this until the tournament, but pre-fishing, I caught four good fish. I mean, good, like 16, 17 inch fish out of this 
spawning pocket, this little pocket off of a, off of a giant cove uh, off the main lake, and then a little pocket, and this little area of the pocket really had the majority of the fish. I caught four, and they were they thumped the spinnerbait hard, this uh, sling blades here from, from Z-Man, and they were just eating it like pre-spawn fish would eat it, just, just smashing it. And um, so then uh, I went back there, and the water, if you remember, Jeff, the water rose from Wednesday to tournament day, went from below full pool to above, and probably rose almost a foot. And more fish flooded in there because of that. You know what I mean? Like it was a super shallow area to get in there, super shallow. And then once you get in there, it was a little bit deeper in some spots. And I think that's what the bass like, cause the gar were in eight inches of water spawning next to them. And the carp were over there in about same eight to 12. But then this little area, part of the, this back pocket got a little bit deeper, um, two, three foot. And then on the bank in about a foot is where the fish end up being uh, on tournament day. But anyway, yeah, it was just, it was just kind of nuts that I was in, the lake and i just kind of stumbled on this this magical little spawning pocket that just kept fish just kept coming in and stayed there all day long did you fish in a foot of water jeff uh no well i shouldn't say that i, I, I caught <laughs> no. i caught them in a foot of water because i was burning the bank with a spinnerbait just like drew yeah. early uh when it was raining and and we yeah. talked about that before we went live drew uh i had that going yeah. there for a minute the problem with me and we'll get into what you did on tournament day is i stuck with it way too long and kind of abandoned my area trying to force it to work and and that was a, a fatal blow um but yeah yeah who loaned you a jig is my biggest question <laughs> z-man's loaned me a few jigs over the over the years i, I mean i know they I make them, them but i i, I mean we filmed that yeah. commercial out there on santee and drew did not have anything that he was throwing that moved less than 95 miles an hour like he's burning <laughs> frogs burning chatter but just burning 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 yeah. and the bite was a slow kind of i mean it was a boring honestly it was a boring ass go bite drew don't care yeah, so he's just out there freaking slinging turning and burning so i assumed that's what you would be doing in this one too i'm very shocked that you were dude doing I, that, man. and i'm gonna yeah when we get in a tournament day i can explain why and how that all happened and why what made my decision to change from the spinnerbait because it's it's pretty interesting I, and literally it's what i said i gathered so much information that i had enough of it to and then took my all my experience from you know just however many years i've fished right and i was able to like just kind of start putting it together because you can't burn up a spot on for a one-day tournament or two-day pre-fishing you just can't beat somewhere up that's so small you know what I mean? You know what I mean? So you have to just fish the moment on tournament day and just take, you know, just be able to use your experience and make good decisions on tournament day. That's kind of what it comes down to. You said you, you know, you compiled all this research. So you had to stumble across the fact that a lot of tournaments are one throwing a little Brown jig behind docks on Grand Lake, right? <laughs> well, you know, what's funny is I actually didn't know that because I didn't really read too much about what they were one on. Cause I just kind of like Ryan said, I'm so locked into like my thing, what, what I like to do. And it's once, you know, I put my hand in the water and I feel it. Okay. It's 60 degrees. It's in that range. I'm like, all right. Or take my little, Wait meat a minute. My put your hand in the water and feel it. Yeah. That's about all I do, man. And digital, I have a little digital thermometer. I'll stick in the water. It's a little meat thermometer. And I'm like, like but I don't really thing. care. Like a little baby. Drew, I don't really care. Drew's got the little baby, the little baby yeah. elephant rectal thermometer just sticks in the water. He's like, all right, let's go. 59 and a half. degrees. No, I got, got this it. one that from, from Walmart. You can change the settings on it. Beef, chicken. And there's a setting that says fish. I just always click to fish. Oh, and I just shit. Stick it in the water. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. But uh, but anyway, it was warm enough. And that's all I cared about. Once it's warm enough for moving baits, that's that's what I 
like to stick to. And, and, but I didn't know that, but the funniest story of all Jeff is this man. So by the way, I listened to a lot of podcasts on the way at a long drive, 14 hours. And uh, I listened to some of the kayak bass radio that you're doing. Uh, oh yeah. Good, you like that good man? stuff. I liked it. Yeah. Good, all good right, job right, there cool. with Josh Booth and shout out to those guys. And, and that's a, a cool little thing you're doing. But anyway, um, I was listening to, I went back because we were fishing, I think, on Harris Chain, Bassmaster Harris Chain or somewhere. I was fishing a tournament when Redcrest was going on on that championship day, so I actually didn't get a chance to watch it. And then all of a sudden, I'm listening to Bass University, and I'm listening to Bobby Lane talk about how it just – it all started warming up in their tournament that last day. It got really warm, and the fish pushed hard to the bank, and he pulled out a green pumpkin jig with a trailer on it. Here's my Z-Man one that did the damage. And guess what? Lo and behold, green pumpkin. I can't do a good job holding that up there for you. But and I'm wearing like a green shirt, so that's not helping. But uh, the cross size. We'll tell you up on the big screen. Look at you. Oh, there's my nice thumb thumb that got smashed in the door. Or my uh, my, uh, fingernail. So that's disgusting. But anyway, yeah, I got smashed in the car door. But uh, (laughs) so sorry. But um, that's that's yeah, that's the big crawl there. That's that's the the big big one. Yeah. So and this is actually a half ounce. I was throwing a three eighths. But what's funny is, and he said, I just started throwing a green pumpkin jig in a foot of water or less. And, and, and it just, I just started laughing. I was like, man, that's so cool that like, I figured that out without knowing that on my own, knowing what he wanted on. Uh, I know he had a dramatic finish and, and I didn't pay attention to what the bait was. And uh, it was a, basically the exact same setup, you know, with a trailer like that. And I didn't dip the, the claws in, in chartreuse, like he said, but and they were in a foot, basically a foot of water or less, exact same thing. And I know there was a lot of cold, yeah, some cold weather that came in after Redcrest. And I feel like this is almost a reproduction of what happened, like a second wave that sort of moved up and, and they were doing exactly what, what Bobby yeah, was I, catching them. I'll tell you this, Drew, I, I live about an hour and a half from there and I went into pre-fish to scout around. It was, I think it was just a few days after Redcrest, right after that had happened. And it was actually a nice sunny day and warm for warm ish for, for once prevision. Uh, and what I thought from then until the tournament is they would make a move. Like they'd move back in the pockets or whatever, where I was fishing. And lo and behold, two and a half weeks later, I show up and the water temp was exactly the same as it was two and a half weeks ago. So I don't know if it was those cold fronts that came through, but it stayed 57 ish 58. I thought it'd be up in the lower sixties two weeks later, but it was not. So, yep. Do you finesse no, fish right. often in the spring, Drew? Do you do you slow down and <laughs> flip creature baits or anything, or no. is this just brand new, Hardly brand new ever. baby out here? I mean, don't back in the day, I did a lot more with the jig, a lot, and I, I probably should put in my hand a little bit more, but man, when you just have so much success with covering water, typically moving baits, you know, buzz bait, spinner bait, chatter bait, like like I'm kind of known for it's just hard to like stop that. And honestly, it's, it's, it's a area I need to work on trying to figure out the signs when I, when it's just not going to work. Cause my theory is most of the time when they're, when the bite dies, it's, it's dying for everybody in every technique. It's not like it, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like it just, Oh, they're off the moving baits. And now they're going to hit the a Ned rig all the rest of the day. It's like, I, I think it's just tough for everybody. So I feel like if I'm covering more water, hitting more targets, I'm going to eventually trick one to like ambush. You know what I mean? So that's still my strategy. Even when it gets tough, I'm like, now I'm just going to go faster because eventually I'm going to cross a fish and force them to ambush where everyone else is trying to convince them to bite moving super slow. And if they're not biting, if you're going slow, boy, your, your bait's going past, you know, less fish. And, and I would rather be going past more fish. So I get it. I get but it. Anyway, man. But I, tell I got you up, I got up on tailwaters, man, Saturday. 
Yep. Uh, below Watts Bar Dam, smallmouth country, throwing swim baits, spinner baits, chatter baits, not a sniff. I mean, not one single sniff. Dude that want it, Ned Rig. Yeah, they're. What I finally caught all mine on, I used that EWG Ned head and B-Lat's new shaky head worm. I put it on the EWG Ned and started killing them at noon. But I had wasted yeah. five hours of the tournament trying to <laughs> trying to figure that out. Same place? Same water? Yeah, different we, were 100, we were 120 yards from each other. But I mean, like where you were throwing the moving baits, you were throwing... No, dude, I through. covered six miles. Like I, I started I right. started literally at the dam and went all the way down. Damn. When I got to the bottom, then I was finally like, all right, stubborn, like you hadn't caught anything, switch to finesse and fish your way back up. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I just wonder if you throw that Ned back up there, some of the spots that, you know, in your current seams and stuff that you'd found if they would have bit that or if they just weren't there, you know, I don't he know. He caught them right outside of the, I mean, I saw like where he won the thing was at the, at that first eddy down and they were moving up yeah. to spawn right there. So yep. I mean, it was pretty, pretty predictable, but it hurt stung a little bit. Yeah, for sure. We got uh, Mr. Lowry in the comments talking about the smallie lesson you gave him, Ryan. Dude, I taught I, I taught old boy some things on some brown fish. We got out there and wrecked them. It was we had a we, I wrecked them. I was afraid Dill wasn't gonna wreck them. He waited till about nine o'clock at night. I had to get a flashlight out to uh, let Dill freaking net his fish. It was it was getting getting late out there. And I think we could go down a whole another rabbit hole about what you introduced him to with Aaron Lewis's birthday party, but we'll, we'll save that for another day. We're gonna skip on that one. <laughs> we'll skip on that one. Uh, but yeah, man. So you told us about pre fishing, Drew. Uh, tell yeah. us you know, what you, what you ran into come tournament morning once you got out there. Yeah. So I got out there and, you know, I I was nervous like everybody is before a tournament because, you know, our bass boat's going to be there. Has anyone else found this, this little pocket that's got them and they're kind of moving in uh, other kayak anglers in the tournament or, or bass boats. And I was super nervous. So I had a, and the cool thing is, like I said, man, I I had so much information. I, I saw, I was watching the water levels rising. I was watching the rivers and the color and everything changing in different parts of the lake. I, and I had a good game plan. I had a, a, a spot A that was where I went first and obviously eventually never left. And then a spot B that was a very similar small pocket that honest, it was a little bit bigger, but it could have been even better because I caught them there pre-fishing too. But I thought it was more, it was one that was a little bit more, I don't know if it, I would say like, it wasn't like a little secret, but I think it was just harder for people to find it. The second one. So I thought, well, if they're going to, if they found any one of these spots, it's probably this first one. So I'm going to go there first, and then I might go hit the second one if I need to move, go at the second spot. And then I had my third option was then, if nothing else, I'm going to leave both those spots and go to the river. Just go wing it in the river because I felt like it had come down enough where I could probably figure something out on the fly. So anyway, I, I, I roll in there, and so I'm throwing the spinnerbait because I'm thinking – you know, three days ago, four days ago, they were smashing this thing. Right. You know, and I, and just so you know, I had a second skirt to that. So that's why it's so bulky. The second skirt on it to make it thicker and bulkier in that Oklahoma murky water. And that is a, um, a a different blade, obviously that comes with the Z man. That's just a, uh, you know, chartreuse Colorado blade. So I can move it. This is a half ounce sling blade spinnerbait. So I can roll it slower. This is a minnows, um, trailer, just the, the minnows with a shirt. It's white with a chartreuse tail. I'm talking, it's gaudy. And they were hammering it, um, you know, well off the banks in pre-fishing there. So then, of course, you're going to start with the same thing. They bit it really good, that you know, four days before or three days, whatever. So, and I'm, I'm just kind of rolling it. And all of a sudden, and 
I'm not kidding you, dude. I've, I'm pulling this thing out of the water, about to put this rod, you know, basically I'm setting the rod down to pick up another rod and I'm pulling it out of the water and I've got six inches of line left, like this much line. And this fish comes up, a 16 and three quarters, comes up and just real slowly. I just saw it and she goes, whoop. And I just lifted her up and just put her right in the boat. I mean, there was no fight. She broke the line. She was so green. She just thrashed and had so much. There's six inches. She breaks the line and I just cover up on her. And I was like, that was crazy. I was like, that's the kind of loose stuff ball, that loose ball. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got another story about that later in the same, same turn, but it was nuts because she just comes right in. And I'm like, that's the kind of stuff that happens when you win tournaments, like crazy stuff like that. So, like, when I won on Lake Dardanelle, the Whopper Plopper falls out of this teeny fish's mouth, and it lands right by this root ball, and a 21-incher smashes it. I'm like, if that little fish never got, you know, didn't throw the Whopper Plopper, I don't catch that big one. I don't win the tournament. Eric Siddiqui's the winner, you know? So, what a we shame. tied. We tied, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, um, crazy stuff like that tends to happen when you win. It just all goes your way. So that was my, and I saw that fish move really slow and come up and just barely slurp it in. I said, that was not the same, like just train wrecking pre-fishing, but I still kept throwing it because I got bit on it. And as I worked my way around this, this little area, uh, another fish hits it with like almost the same thing, like four or five foot of line. I'm almost done with the cast and just slurped in real slow. And I said, man, like that's weird. So, and it still hadn't clicked yet. I, I got out of that little area and kind of fished some new water um just because I, I wanted to let it rest a little bit fish some new water let it warm up and uh i, I caught another couple small ones on a spinnerbait but it, and i was like man something's not the same but the water come up a lot and so i just decided at one point there was a really really nice tree this bushy kind of tree but it, it was like the beaver had gnawed off several well it wasn't a bush it was more like a willow tree but the beaver had gnawed off several of the main trunks of it so it was just a little bit of a a, a broccoli sprout cluster over there and you couldn't cover it good with a spinnerbait or a chatterbait. You just couldn't fish it effectively because you throw it over there and you kind of have to work it over that stuff too quick. And I thought, man, let me just toss a jig in there. So I kind of tossed that cross size jig in there that I just happened to bring at the last minute. Um, I'm throwing it on a seven foot, like four medium heavy omen, uh, 13 fishing omen rod and uh, like 17 pound sunline um, sniper fluorocarbon. And I just flipped it in there and, all of a sudden it just thump and it just starts swimming out. And I was like, Whoa, and I just set the hook like crazy. And it was a uh, 18 something, right? Fat 18 point, point something. something. I don't, I don't, what, what, so one yeah, of these, eight, eight, one, of one of those, um, I don't think it's the other, other 18 and quarter. quarter. It's, it's, I don't, I don't one know. Of those, one of probably. those probably, but it was, but a, it was a, a nice, nice soft, soft fish. fish. Man, I'm getting, getting rid of you guys hearing that. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the echo, I wonder if it's because yeah. that screen was up. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's it. But anyway, the um, it it just smashed that jig and just took it took off and just was running running away with it. So I was like, okay, and it was fat, you know, pre spawn. I said maybe there's something to this jig, uh, thing. So I went back into my main little pocket area that I've been getting the bites and pre fishing, and went down the bank. And um, I was just like, well, I'm just going to throw super shallow. And I skipped underneath this the, a buck brush, you know, the trunk of some three little buck brush bushes. I'm talking eight, ten inches of water. And all of a sudden, it was like thump, and my line starts going out to the middle again. And I was like, whoa, set the hook. And she just came up right in the boat. Hardly any line was out and flipped in the boat. And at this point, I've got um, a limit now. I've got that 18. 
I've got those two 16 and three quarters that hit the spinner bait, you know, like sluggishly and two little small ones. So I got a limit, just, but just not a good, I need to get rid of, you know, two fish, especially. And this fish was like a 17, 18 incher. It just came right in the boat. And as soon as it comes in the boat, the jig pops out of its mouth. And I did the, the loose football thing, like you're saying, the fumble, the scram. I'm like all over it. And this little, you know, I'm in my little 10 foot, you know, ultralight crescent kayak, right? So this thing's not big. There's not a lot of room. It's real easy for fish to flop and get out. So I'm covering up like crazy. And somehow it squirms through my legs up and actually just flops up and out of the kayak, actually on the, the deeper side, not the bank side. And then it swims under my kayak and goes up onto the shore and is flopping on the shore for a second and swims back out and gets away before I could reach it and grab it because I'm just trying to reach over and, and get it because I'm tucked up right against the shore. So it gets away. And I'm thinking, oh, man, like that was a 17, 18-inch fish. You know, th that's not good. That's not good at all. And this, this area is not big. I may not get hardly any more bites. So I'm pretty bummed, but I was like, well – it's a positive sign. There's some big fish in the area still. And, and I just started kind of fishing this little area again. I've got a lot more, not a lot. It's not that big, but a fair amount of, of shoreline left where I've gotten bit. So um, I worked my way down and all of a sudden it wasn't 15, 20 minutes later, I catch one that was 17 something. And I was like, all right, that, no, it was 18. Sorry. That was one of the 18 and a quarters I caught next. And I was like, Ooh, back in the ball game. Now I just have one. I got an 18 and a quarter, 18 and a quarter and like a 216 and three quarters. So now I just need to get rid of this 14 inch and I've got a pretty solid limit, you know? And, uh, and I, I didn't know if it was like a morning bite or what, um, or what was happening. So I didn't upload my fish yet. Cause I wanted to, uh, at least, I didn't know if anyone else was going to show up there, bass boats, um, or other kayak anglers. So I, I waited a little bit and I hadn't uploaded yet, but I, I keep going because people were asking me why I waited to upload or whatever, but I'll get into that in a minute. But that's why I just want to make sure I hit that area good and, and felt good about everything uh, and, and make sure I didn't miss on a morning bite or something. So then after that fish, now I've, I've kind of started to put the puzzle together. They're, they're not more out in the open. They're not hitting the moving baits. They are actually up there because the water has come up. So what happened is they're up against the bank and even on those little undercuts of the roots and stuff, they are right there as tight as they can be and they're working their beds. And I caught a, a, a few males on this day that had um, tattered up fins and that clued me in like, Oh, they're working their beds. The females are there, but they might be kind of spawning. Maybe, maybe not, but they're right there in the same area, obviously. And they're, they're still feeding because the males are maybe working the beds and they're just like, Oh wow. Lucky me. Here's a crawfish. You know what I mean? Like uh, I'm about to spawn, but I might as well get one more meal in, you know? So <laughs> now the key to the kayak, and this is the beauty of, of our sport, man, is you can, in this little kayak I'm in, especially, I am literally touching the bank. I am on the bank when I'm making my cast so I can parallel, but I'm not doing my normal, just big, long cast covering tons of bank because they're so, and this is what Ot Defoe was saying when he was catching so many fish in a concentrated area, they are so, it's like there could be one every five to 10 feet down the bank. So I'm just pitching short little pitches at every, just picking it apart, every little root, nick and cranny that I could see. And because you don't want to make a long cast, because if you do that, you could be catching a fish and bringing it over and spooking uh, two or three other fish that you want to catch. So you want to catch the closest one to you first and then scoot forward a little bit and then flip and keep catching them like that. So that's why I was making the short little pitches and I'm up against the bank because you want it to just go right across, you know, parallel with that bank. Um, and that's when, it, when you're bass fishing, a lot of times it's tough to pick a bank apart perfectly like that because it's hard to get a bass boat. I mean, they can't get as close to the bank with how shallow it was right on the bank at like a foot of water 
or like they couldn't get it, they have to just throw at the bank and pull it straight away 90 degrees. Well, you got to just make a ton of flips to keep doing that. But I'm covering, you know, by paralleling it, covering all that water. So anyway, I go down and I catch a, another pretty good one. And then um, what I was trying to do differently is actually because of the way certain trees were laying, uh, I would make – I spun my kayak around and, and went at it from different angles, you know, on the backside where I couldn't really get a good cast going because I always fish – in a river or pond or lake, I always fish just because I'm left-handed. I like to fish the right side of the bank. So I'm working, my bank's on my right, if that makes sense, because my roll cast, the skip cast, is on the left. So um, that's what I was doing, going around it like that. But then I decided to turn around and go the opposite way. That's kind of where it's easier to backhand flip and hit a few different angles. And there's this one spot where this tree was kind of laying out over, you know, some water went over the root or the, the trunk of it, but it was laying out over and it went back up. And I had to go, make a cast over that tree trunk if you will so i made a short one over there and and this fish just dumped it and i set the hook and it was a 20 and a quarter so it's a big big fish and i'm not sure i mean she wasn't as fat as the other ones but um is that her there that's her so tw- all right 20 20 and a quarter and that was so now i just called my 14 with a 20 and a quarter and everything's big at this point and i'm like man I don't know what I got, but I know I got a lot and I was shooting for 90. And so I, let me just like take a little break, go eat some food. I was like starving, hungry. It was 1030 central time. So I didn't around 1030, I didn't upload my photos. Like I didn't like upload them that late. Like some people are like, man, we, why, you know, you upload it so late. I'm like, no, it was like 1030 my, our time, dude. You looked at the, you looked at it at noon or 1230 your time, but it was 1030 when, or somewhere around there when I uploaded them. And uh, then I felt good. I was like, man, I got, I got 90 inches, 90, like 90 something. And I'm feeling like really good. And it's 1030 in the morning and I, and I got a chance to call some more. I just decided not to leave, but even though I'd beat that place up so hard, I just, I went out again and tried to find fish somewhere else and let it just totally reset for a few hours. And uh, eventually I, when the board went off, I called one more time with the 17 and three quarters. So I got rid of like a, I think, it, yeah, something like that. Um, because I just waited so long and I was like, I can't believe I just caught a fish that I hadn't caught yet. Cause it's such a small area. And I looked and I double checked at my fish pictures and I was like, this is a new fish. I hadn't caught this one. Was it the Where one that scored it away earlier? Maybe was it the 17? No, that got it away wasn't. I kept going back to that spot and I would throw at it so many times I, I just, that fish was gone. Wouldn't, wouldn't bite again. But, um, but yeah, that's pretty much what I figured out happened. And, and the key to this spot guys, just so you know, was the, the, this is this is pretty cool here because it's funny how it all comes together afterwards and, and it all just clicks man here's what it was the north uh the north bank which is a technically it's a, a south facing bank was the tallest of the banks and the steepest and it had so it had the most wind protection because the wind is coming mo- usually you know from the northwest you you know probably coming down swooping a little bit this time of year bringing some cool air in or at least coming from the west but it was very the north bank was super uh, you know, not like tall, tall, but the tallest of all the, the banks in this little pocket, it was super protected from the wind. You got the sun coming from the east and the south, you know what I mean, coming over the horizon. So that bank is getting sunlight all day long, all day long, and not just sunlight. It's getting sunlight where, and it's also calm, which causes it to warm up even faster. So it's calm and getting that sunlight because if you have chop on the way, you know, the waves or rivers, it doesn't warm up as, as much as calm water. So and then it like clicked. I'm like, oh my goodness. It was like the deepest of the banks. I mean, not like that deep. I mean, they're still catching them in a foot of water, but it, it dropped off maybe to two or three there. And they were spawning in about a foot, but the water come up. It's the warmest. It's getting the sun. Like it just, it was like, it made sense why there's a fish like every, every 
you know, 15 feet or so, there was something, something there, you know, just getting ready to spawn. So they just kept moving in and that's kind of it, man. So what, what'd you think? Obviously you figured this out. So did you think there were going to be some, some late day heroics and somebody was going to catch you? Or are you feeling pretty confident, you know, after lunch? Man, I, I didn't know. Cause I know some people don't have a signal sometimes. And I'm in a lot of those places, you know, I see people making comments online. Like uh, I think Ryan Van Tyne said something like Drew's back in some Creek somewhere with no signal and, you know, uploads late in the day, which I often do, you know, in a river, a Creek, some, somewhere you don't have signal, but I thought there could have been someone like that. Cause there were a lot of places on the lake that did not have, you know, a strong signal. And I just, I didn't have a clue, man. I, I was just, even though it wasn't like a ton of people in the tournament, um, you know, maybe Easter weekend is what I'm thinking had a lot to do with it. Um, th- I still thought there was somebody that was going to come up with something and uh, just never, never happened. I, I was, I was shocked. When you were sitting there eating lunch, you didn't look down the list like, man, these scrubs ain't got a chance. They're sitting on 76 <laughs> inches. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I was just like, I feel, I felt good. You know what I mean? I definitely felt good, but I felt good before, man. Like in the, you know, Bassmaster Championship in Possum Kingdom, I had like 94 inches on day one. And we all, everyone thought if you were in the upper 80s, you were going to do good in that tournament. And all, all of a sudden, everyone comes out, you know, the Poss King and Mark and Joe McElroy, Brad Case, everyone's just smashing them. And on day two, I crushed them again. And I was like, man, they, they crushed them again. Like I've had tournaments that I've lost where I just couldn't believe like people. You know, I always felt I felt I needed to call one more time to get up that 91 and a half to really, really feel good. And, uh, you know, I'm just fortunate, fortunate I did. And and I can talk about the jig a little bit, too, because uh, there's something I want to mention about this jig that that made the difference as well. Yeah, we can get into that. I was going to say it's a, it's a little bit different when you just you don't lose a tournament. You just get beat. But you were on them as opposed to just yeah. straight up losing the tournament because you made knucklehead decisions or whatever. So, <laughs> you know, sometimes that happens. <laughs> That's true. Uh, that is true. Uh, I've made plenty and, of those And I myself, wanted to mention man. to Ryan, I don't know if he noticed this, but the dude that won Big Bass for the event was from Chattanooga, Tennessee, man. Who? No way. Keith Shadwick. Shut up. Shadwick had Big Bass? He had a 22 and three quarter. You're kidding That's me. That's a big one. Yeah. You're I'd like to find me. out from him. So we're going, uh, so the, the turkey hunt we auctioned off, for the Save JT tournament, it's on, it's on Shadwick's lease in Kentucky, and oh, I'm doing that hunt go. next week. It's funny you say that. I've been talking to him all day. Congrats, Keith. Good job. He was That's out there at Big Fish Barnett, I'm pretty sure. Robert Barnett, uh, another uh, Chattanooga local that always catches giants. Yeah, they, he, that's the only fish he registered in the tournament, but it was a 22 and three quarters. That's so the one that you. counts right there. Good on you, Mr. Keith. Uh, yeah. I mean, I wonder how much that weighed. Yeah, I don't know. It depends who you ask. Some people got like 21-inch fish that are 10-pounders. Some yeah. people got 23-inch fish that are 7. So it depends. Yeah, this, it, was a, it, was a, it was a they, thick They were one. stout, dude. Those That's fish got a belly stout. there. Yeah, she had a belly. Yeah. He's got that old gut mashed up there. He's giving they a were free, very stout. Uh, colon exam with that thumb. I would venture. Mm-hmm. I'd venture. I'd say I'd say seven, seven and a half is what I would guess on that. That's got a gut on it. Yeah, it was. Yeah. That's a good fish right there. The um, speaking of the weights, the the one thing I thought was interesting too is I looked. I didn't realize there was a, a big bass boat tournament um, the two days prior on Thursday yeah. and Friday. And I guess I found out that's because the permit got pulled for us for the Wolf Creek landing because you had to every permit has to have a landing that's associated with it or something. So they couldn't do it on Saturday Sunday because of the Bassmaster had the permit for that landing even though we don't don't use it. But I looked at those results and, you know, same thing, about 20 pounds. One day was the top weight and then 23 another day on the second day. But other than that, everyone had, the, you know, 
19 or was it maybe one or two 19s and talking 300 boats. And then down from there, it was just 17, 16 and 14, whatever, a lot, a lot of smaller ones. So, and then I looked uh, at my Turney X, you know, has that feature now where you can hover over it and it tells you your approximate weight. But that, you know, I talked to Dwayne when we had that um, installed in Turney X, we said, well, we could make an adjustment for spring, but he's just, you know, we're just going to leave it as is. So there's no like pre-spawn adjustment. So I figured you could probably, yeah, that's a cool feature. So you can see it's like 17 and a half pounds. So then if you, I just figured if I adjust it for pre-spawn, you know, you add like a pound, pound and a half for, for five fish, you know what I mean? That's probably adds up to about a pound, pound and a half higher. You're looking at like 19 pounds. And then I thought about it. I said, you know what? I had two 16 and three quarters that, that I didn't keep on my stringer and I had a 17 and, in a 17, there's a chance. In other words, in a weight tournament, I would have kept the, the heaviest of those fish, 16 and three quarter. There could have, that one could have weighed more than my 17 or, or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like of those four that were all very close there, 17, 17, three quarters and 16, three quarters, I would have kept the heaviest of the two. So I thought, you know what? I probably had about 19 and a half, maybe 20 pounds somewhere in there. So it's kind of interesting to see uh, just kind of, I don't know. I like comparing like, to see where I stacked up to what's happening in the fishery. And, and if it, yeah, we do that all the time over here because on Beaver Lake, which is our home lake over here, uh, they don't pull permits. They just let you have three bass boat tournaments and a kayak tournament on the same day. So people will look at the, the boat tournament and then try to try to sort of figure up where the, the kayak dude would have finished. And usually the top two or three always would have been in the top 10 of the boat tournament as well. Yep. You know? No, it's definitely cool. Why is grand the way that it is? I don't know. I was like, going to ask well, I mean, what's the logic on that? It's it's not just grant. It's anything that the uh, GRDA, which is kind of their version of the core for part of that state, the Grand River Dam Authority. Any lake managed by them is under those are under those rules. But I mean, what's uh, the benefit of? I mean, I I can't understand like, you know, their grand control aspect of it. What what are they benefiting? Out I'm of? assuming that was written when it was like seal skin kayaks, you know, crossing <laughs> the main lake or something. You know? <laughs> That's it. It's one of those oh, things yeah. that has just never changed. You know what I mean? Yeah. From I, I mean, decades ago. It'd be interesting to see how many people actually didn't show up because of that. Cause I feel like it had more to do with the Easter weekend and the Hobie BOS maybe have it. Cause you had to choose really. I mean, it's hard to do a freaking Oklahoma and then all the way back to Alabama. And then I live in Ohio and other people live just similarly far away. It's tough, man. You got a family. That, it, I think it, it was tough scheduling, but I think, yeah. I mean, if you look at where grand is, in relation, especially to like Texas guys, for instance, like they have huge numbers in Texas. Like there's a reason people didn't go to that one. And I think, I mean, I think we established that when we had John on in the, the podcast, when the schedule dropped, like grand, everybody was just kind of like, what? Like, did you mean, not that it's a bad fishing lake, but that it doesn't necessarily set up to be kayak friendly with the rules that they have in place on things. I think that was probably one of the bigger turnoffs on it. And I I understand they're talking about safety, but, I think Grand Lake would be an awesome place to host kayak tournaments regularly because there's tons of access points in, tons. in, in all the creeks. You don't have to access on the main lake. I mean, in every yeah. creek, there's a ramp somewhere, plus the river access and all the stuff they have. Dude, um, 100%. Yeah, it'd be a that's great That's why place. I love that. That's why I looked at this lake, I, and it's a funny story, man. I don't know if it's like a God thing or whatever. I told my wife, and it's it's weird. I don't I don't say this, and I don't – you know, you look at the sk- – and I said this somewhere on some podcast. Somebody asked me, which – which tournament are you most excited about? And I said, man, I just have a feeling about Grand Lake. Never been there, but it looks a lot like Dardanelle when I look at it on a map. You got Ozark, clear creeks and streams coming in on half the lake. You got murky farmland, you know, plains streams coming in on the other other half. 
and I won on Dardanelle in the Hobie series and something, I just had a feeling. I, I looked at, like you said, Jeff, there's, uh, there's a ton of good access. I said, man, I just feel like I could, I can, I can do something in this event. I said, I feel like I'm just going to win this one. I don't know why, you know, um, my, my dad's actually born. He was born in Oklahoma. He's from, from there originally. Uh, and then the Gregory's, his uh, dad moved down to East Texas in that uh, Sabine river area, uh, Beaumont to uh, work in the oil, oil refineries. And I don't know, man, I just had this like feeling. I was like going back home, Oklahoma to where my dad's from originally the Gregory side of the family. And the way the lake looked, I just had this weird feeling, man. And, and it just happened to come together, but not at all how I thought. Yeah, it, You know, and it was a small field, but it was still a strong field. You had Richard yeah. McMichael came down. Casey Reed made the trip from across the country. Uh, Brad came up. Mark I mean, there Edward, were people Siddiqui, from all over the place. Large Siddiqui was there. Uh, Mark, Mark Pendergraft. Uh, I mean, Garrett, it, Garrett held Garrett, on to his AOID. Yeah. But the weird, like, like Ryan already said, like my club is an hour and a half from there. And we have 60, 70 people on the regular. And I think where there's five people from my club in this thing. The Missouri club's huge. Only a few people came. Um, none of the people from the Oklahoma club, really, there was very few that came. Uh, so I hated to see that because, you know, I wanted a big turnout here locally. I hope they come back to the region at least, even if it's not to that lake. Uh, and Brent Wilson is in the comments. He's, he's from over there, and he was one of the, the founders of the Oklahoma club. It said that used to be a great kayak lake, which leads me to believe maybe that is not an old rule. Maybe they changed that in the last decade or so. I don't know, but they need to fix it because kayak tournaments can obviously bring a, bring a lot of revenue to your city and your town if you'll you know open the doors and host them with uh, reasonable rules and accommodations. Yeah, I mean, I get that that rule is it. There's just so, that lake is so big. There's so much water. There's so many creeks. Even and like uh, you know John Stewart was saying, you can if it's 300 yards wide, right. In that cove, you can cross because you're 150 foot from the bank on one side, you're 150 for, or yards, whatever to the other side. Is it feet or yards? I can't remember. It was, it was, it's yards, feet, right? I think. Is it feet? I think it's feet. I don't know. I mean, it I'm no, okay. Well, yeah, it might be I'm feet. no, I'm no length expert by any right. means, but I think, I think it's a hundred. Is that big? Feet. Is that big? But either way, <laughs> no. either way, like you could, there was such, like you said, Jeff, there's such good access. Okay. Big deal. You can't cross right here. You can, put your kayak back on the trailer, drive around, and there's going to be another access right over there to get you to another spot if you want to fish it. I mean, there was just so much water that was that was never even an issue, and all the fish are in a foot of water right now. They're not yeah. out there. So I don't know why people didn't enter. It's a great lake. It was a fun lake. Obviously, you're like, oh, well, you're, you know, you're saying that. You didn't catch 60-some inches. But, I mean, it, I caught I, – I had another spot I found that was just as good, like I said, and then I another one too in the river. I didn't smash them, but I caught some fish, and I felt – like there could have been winning fish there. I don't know, but um, I enjoyed it. And I'll, I don't think I'll, it was a back. lake overall, though. I mean, if you like bass attendance has struggled, period, for the last couple of years, really. What What do you think? What's your opinion? What can bass do to save it and turn it around yeah. and, and, you know, increase participation? Good question, Good question Ryan. Here, Everybody here wants go. that. Everybody wants Here, that. Here's what it is. Here's the other thing that I realized, I just realized was, is the issue with, you know, forget Easter weekend, the, the 150, 150 foot rule. Sorry, everybody. I talk fast. I know. I see the comments. I get it. It's all right. Just, just maybe I'll slow down one of these days. We can get a lot if done. If this in is an your hour, first time here, like Drew, it's, 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 yeah. this is Drew. I'm pumped. I'm motivated. Like, I'm just, I'm go, go, go. So, and that's why it's a shock to everyone that I'm fishing a jig and not <laughs> slinging moving baits constantly, right? So, uh, anyway, uh, what was the, oh, here's the, here's the answer. So, I think, when you have only five events, okay, Hobie gives you a, a lot of chances. And because they have so many chances, they're spread out. 
this country's big and they obviously aren't even on the west coast with, with hobie but and it's still big just the section of the country they're dealing with so but to give nine events like hobie does i think it's nine and the toc is 10 mm-hmm. right so when you have nine you have an event that every no matter where you live as a kayak angler you can hit three of them without driving an insane long distance i i maybe for one of them you might have to drive far but you can at least get to three that easy right like but then with bass the aoi it's you got five events and there so there's not an event in every sort of quadrant that's really like a bass centric part of the country so those people that love bass fishing they're gonna have to drive to and they they make you count four like you only drop one so you got to fish four so now you got to drive a long distance for four and if you have a have one if in your backyard aoi then. right but that's but what wouldn't the whole, fewer events drive the numbers up I don't think, honestly, I don't think that a lot of people in Hobie are chasing the AOY title. I think there's probably, no offense to most of our sport, there's probably 25 people that have a shot at (laughs) AOY in Hobie, realistically speaking. I don't know that the AOY is the motivating factor. I think, like, I mean, it's a TOC, though. TOC, which goes by the AOY. It goes by AOY points, which only count a certain number of events. But like bass yeah, qualifying free. the champion, and this is a, another point. I, I think the championship structure may be something that's motivating people because there wasn't a huge turnout for the the classic on on the classic stage. There wasn't a huge turnout for that tournament. So I'm saying, as an organization, what can they do to kind of put it on a pedestal and really drive people to be hungry for that experience? Well, I'll tell you what they can do, and they've done it for for me already. You get insane media coverage and exposure with a Bassmaster win because think about it the money yes if you get more entries you get a higher payout but you also if people are trying to do this more full-time and pka whatever you want to call them and you know you get money from your sponsors um and a lot of that comes from how much exposure you get i mean i'm going to be on Bassmaster radio i'm going to be on Basscast. like they're you're getting i'm getting a lot of calls to be um and inquiries to be on these these podcasts and that brings a lot of value you know, to my sponsors. And so I, I think they give you, and I'm, I was on the website right away um, and they promote it really good on, and they've got a, obviously a big following. So that's one thing, but like you said, the AOI, it's not just the AOI. It's that the AOI point system is how you get into these championships. So for Hobie, it's three, not four. They have more events. So it's easier for people to get to three and they, it's just harder for someone to get to four bass, you know, based on that. But, it also um, that's how they get their their champions as well. The championship is the AOI standings this year. Yeah, other so, than so. if you're in the top ten percent at each event, so I feel like it's just hard. They just need a few more events. Uh, I'd, I'd love to see some two day events. More all uh, of them be two day. Yeah, I threw this up from Luke. He he said, and Luke is one of the hammers from Oklahoma. TOC qualifier from last year would have been favored in this event if he'd been in it. I think or one of the favorites. Uh, but he apparently Bass and GRD, GRDA both have a bad rep in Oklahoma, and that and they have seventy five angler turnouts for their Oklahoma tournaments just down the road from there, and nobody you know they just had a bad turnout for this. So maybe there's a, a reputation thing, you know. Bass I think lives off that that shield, which rightly so. I mean, it's everybody knows the Bass Shield and the logo, and they've known it since they were a little kid probably. Um, and I think day of the event and right afterwards, like you said, Drew, the media coverage is unmatched. I think they do a better job yeah. than anybody of getting stuff out and blasting it. But hyping but, it up. Like yeah, they, pre-event. There's no buildup. And, like, people – and I think somehow right. we got to get the word out that people know that value that is out there from Bass. Like, 
obviously if they go to Bass and look yeah. at the website and see the magazine and listen to Bassmaster Radio, they'll say, well, look what Drew got to do or Mark or whoever. But they got to sell that on the front end, I think. Like, hey, fish with us. We can do this. You know, we can do this for you. You can do this for us. And look at what value we can show. Yeah. I think not there's just, hey, so bass, much potential there. Like when you yeah. talk about next level elevation potential, Bass has it. They have it all. They have all the tools already in place. Like Drew said, the media outlets, they have the TV coverage. They have something mm-hmm. that could take this somewhere that it's never been. I just want them to do it. I mean, I don't, that's, that's really like, what, what's it going to take to get them to pull the trigger and say, you know, kayak fishing is real. There's this many people that pay attention to it. What can we do to be the biggest in the game? Yeah, I think yeah. that really it comes down to this. They need to hire a kayak guy. A kayak well, yeah, they need a champion. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, they yeah, need a champion like like AJ and Chad and, and his like they there's they're kind of the champions and faces of it. And they they help, you know, obviously they've started communities and and they the build up is, is very good on their part. And so that's what they need is is a champion. I think more events, not like a ton more, but two day events and uh just a few more and two day and then they'd be money. I also want to do shout out Mark Cisneros. He was the yeah, guy out there. He, he crushes it taking taking good photos and and uh, uh, apparently helps get that that stuff up and yeah man apparently big worm was in the creek i was fishing but he went and took a picture of, of david burt and missed you a little lying. pocket i was in that sorry dog. he didn't come, he didn't come take my picture he just snubbed me and i know Boy. mark i've been knowing mark a lot of years so dang it mark should have slid in that little he pocket. come park on my fish in the camera boat he, he said that the dude driving the boat was like hey man there's fish on the graph right <laughs> right yeah. under me i was like y'all get out of here before i get dq'd both of them. Yeah. I don't need a picture that bad. Come on. Yeah, but I, but I think if they hire the right person, because John's doing what he can. I mean, he's he's hustling, but he's not a kayak guy, right? He's not a kayak angler. If they hire somebody and they hire somebody that is known with credibility, it gives them instant credibility. Yep. All of a sudden, people's eyes are open and they're more apt to give it a shot. I think. But, but we'll see. I, yeah, I I've kind of been like talking to them a little bit. I would like to see them form a committee of some of the the top anglers, and it's not like they're. You know, it's not like it's they're making decisions on judging or anything. Just a, a committee with anglers who are passionate and and also can be I don't know like an angler advisory council or something where they the say anglers it, could be you the champions. Union. You want to unionize? Yes, say it. yes, unionize. <laughs> like let's be the the champions. Um, because you know John Stewart does a great job, and they and someone mentioned in the comments they run great events, good tournaments. They really do. I know there were some hiccups at the at the championships trying to figure out how we slide into the the award ceremony and all that stuff, but they run really good events, but he's a champion and doing so much, so much, so many other, you know, wearing so many other hats for the other tournaments that he has to manage. And he can't devote all this time like AJ can and Chad can and and his team um, over there to the kayak. So that's, that's, I think that's part of what's hindering it. Why you're right. They need to get a kayak guy in there to be the the champion. And if they can do it, you know, an angler advisory cancel, because, even KBF has something like that going on and AJ listens to the anglers as well, but KBF has something where there's a, a group of folks that, that provide the feedback and yeah, we used to really, be in that, right? Yeah. yeah <laughs> we were in there until you provided the yeah. feedback then you got your ass kicked out. <laughs> I don't think that may be the best example for as far as like numbers and success goes, we should probably look, yeah. look yeah. elsewhere to grow yeah. things. But I agree. I think bass having a, a real, a true kayak viewpoint, would be huge for them. I think if you can set these tournaments up to cater more toward kayak anglers, instead of just saying we've ran tournaments for 50 years, we know what we're doing. Of course you do. No one's saying you don't know how to run tournaments. You don't know how to run kayak tournaments. Like that's, you know, that's a completely 
different ball game, and I think all of us know that. But, you know, I, I hope that they're realizing that too as they watch like Hobie sell out a 200-person event and then they pull 70. Like there, there's a difference. Like clearly there's a difference in what's happening there. So like, yeah. I, I hope that's a motivator. Yeah, in the field, like I yeah. said, the fields at Harris, the fields at Grand, the fields, they've been strong fields. It's just the numbers aren't there. You know what I mean? You just need to get the numbers up, pump those numbers up. Yeah. Um, you know, I was going to say real quick, the uh, sponsorships, uh, two guys, by the way. So, like, people are starting to definitely rec recognize and acknowledge Hobie and how just great that series is and what that means. People, I'm saying people uh, in the fishing world that aren't the kayak fishing world, like sponsors with rod and reel companies and people, you know, like that, right? Lure, lure manufacturers and whatnot. But some of them, it sounds crazy. I, I mean, I'm fortunate to have a, a fair number of sponsors. I know you guys have them too, but a lot of folks out there, these marketing directors, they're so busy. They still don't really understand or even know what a KBF or Hobie is. Some of them don't. And it's, and it's no knock on KBF or Hobie, but cause they are, you know kbf kind of started all this and hobie is certainly seen i think is is the, the i don't know the more the most elite level highest form of, of kayak fishing right now with the the best field of anglers so we know that because we're like living in this industry but dude there's marketing directors who don't have a clue still that you know how meaningful that is you know to have won the you know aoy for hobie but you know what they know what this is. They all, mm -hmm. nobody in the fishing world doesn't know what Bassmaster is. So that's where the value was for me and why I've been, uh, I decided this year, uh, we had that little little baby, uh, Sophia, and I missed Lake Fork, but I said, I'm going to fish all four, those next four tournaments, all four, and um, chase that AOI and maybe have a chance to win one of these. And, you know, fortunately I did. And I got seventh at Harris Chain and I won this one. So I'm heading to Smith Lake next. Uh, that's, I think you might've said what's next for me. And next tournament would be Smith Lake uh, for the Bassmaster series. And then uh, I'll be at the Susky. I'll be at Champlain for KBF. So, and then I, I'll be at Winnipesaukee for Hobie. So let's get those signups up. Cause there's like 66 people in that or something. Yeah. And we need to get well, that. You know, sucker you know what's funny too. about that drew is, is a year ago, if we had 66, this people this early for a tournament in July, people would have been like, amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. Look at that. Yeah. Everybody's freaked out that it's low. That's true. Uh, and you, and you know, it's funny. You talk about the, the credibility with that Bassmaster logo there. I've been talking to, to my buddy Garrett who's leading AOI. Uh, and he's kind of a, abandoning a lot of the other stuff and trying to focus on this because regardless of field size, regardless of whatever he knows if he can pull off that, Bassmaster AOI, the street cred that comes with that with sponsors, even if they don't know about uh, kayak fishing in particular, if he says, hey, I'm Bassmaster Kayak AOI, that, that has a lot of weight in spite of any of the struggles they may have yet. So they, like Ryan said, the sky's the limit for them if they can just get the right people uh, running the show. You broke up. Did you ask me a question? Sorry. No, I was just kind of making a statement. But okay. but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, what else did you have to say before we let you get out of here, man? We've been going over a little bit over an hour. I said you said you said wanted to mention something about that jig yeah. or no? Well, yeah. I mean, the only thing I was going to mention is uh, Z-Man has got you know the Elastec. See if I can do this good here. Um, the Elastec product here. This is not working. I got to do it this way. They're plastic. So what's unique about it is that it's buoyant. So it floats. So I'm using that bigger size crawl in here. And, you know, this is, uh, it was a three eights I was using. And I, because I didn't know I was going to use a jig, I actually, at one point I actually broke off of a fish. I think it would think it was a fish. I'm not sure. Um, but I said hook and it broke. And um, I had to switch because I didn't have another three eights ounce. I only had like a few in a box. I had one little box and that little Crescent Ultralight. 
and that was it. One little Plano box. But um, I had a three eighths ounce power finesse cross size jig. So it's the smaller version of this. And I, and I trimmed up a, uh, this TRD or not the TRD, this pro crawls. I trimmed it up and put the pro crawls on the little power finesse and caught my final cold fish on that smaller one. But this is uh, just a half ounce just to show you what the jig is. But anyway, when you put a um, Z-Man Elastec bait that's so thick and bulky like this on there and it floats, you're changing how that, that bait works by a quarter of an ounce. And I'll say that with spinner bait trailers and chatterbait trailers, you put the five inch diesel minnow on a chatterbait, it's a half ounce bait fishes like a three eighths ounce. You're changing it by a quarter of an ounce every time. And so what was unique about a three eighths ounce jig, uh, cause I don't think they make a quarter in this flipping jig. I was able to fish it like a quarter. So when you throw it in there in that shallow one foot, you know, one and a half foot water, you don't want something just coming boom, barreling in there like a half ounce or three quarter ounce. You wanted like, a quarter ounce they didn't make a quarter ounce but it fished like a quarter ounce because the elastic floats and because it's actually heavier you can throw it easier and more accurately on a bait caster so you don't have to you know what i'm saying like a quarter ounce is not as easy easy to throw as a three eighths but i get to throw a three eighths with the action of what i wanted on that slow fall a little bit slower presentation you know quarter ounce so it's pretty cool so so Dwayne Beatty in our local group, somebody was talking about jig fishing. Uh, you know Dwayne, don't you, Drew? Uh, was that Dwayne? Dwayne? Yeah, Dwayne Beatty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was yeah, he was making course, a comment yeah. about somebody shared an article about jig fishing that had nothing to do with this tournament, but he commented and said you have to think of the fall rate of a jig like the retrieve speed of a moving bait, and I never really thought of it like that. I mean, I know the fall rate matters, but that's exactly what you're talking about that that mm -hmm. buoyant plastic basically slows the fall rate down makes it like a quarter ounce or a three eighth ounce jig um so yeah brilliant yeah. genius it's true yeah he's a, he's an arkansas hammer man oh yeah my man i thought he would be in this tournament come over there and, and try to win it but he but he was not um anyway nope. anything else ryan before uh, we wrap this thing up tonight man i don't think so i think i think we covered all the bases here tonight jeff yeah drew thanks man that, that was a good interview uh Appreciate you uh, coming on Thank here. I know uh, you're going to be a good spokesman for Bass, just like every other organization you've won a tournament for. So I know you're going to be out there, you know, waving that flag. So, so great job. Good luck the rest of the year. I'm sure we'll cross paths yeah, again man. at some point Sorry, you're out up there. Again. It's probably my internet. Yeah, I think it's you, Drew. No offense, Ohio. <laughs> Ohio internet. Sorry, I think it's you. Sorry. But make sure that you guys go share that trailer video, and then I'll pick. we'll pick a winner for the dugout swag pack. Uh, other than that, so you follow week, Ryan. We'll have a little KBN gathering maybe down there. You follow this week. Yep, we'll let's do it. Up. Pick a place, man. I'll be down Wednesday night. All right, man. All right. I'll See be watching. Nice I can't week. wait to watch this one. See y'all, guys. See ya. Thanks, guys. Congrats, Drew. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys.